This is Off the Break Podcast, presented by Silver Screen Insider. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. I'm Ken. With me is Kyle. We are without Cody this week. The uh, <laughs> A man the, down. The substitute teacher is in. <laughs> <laughs> and we're only going to watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> we're just... No serious stuff today. No. <laughs> We've got lots of uh, new stuff, but not a lot of, of movie uh, release changes for the first time in... I, I have no idea. <laughs> Has that ever happened? But it feels like a relief, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Granted, we have had cases where we record too early, such as today, and then something drops. So knock on wood for that. But for the most part this week, it was just only some small releases for some smaller titles. And, you know, you can check them out at silverscreeninsider.com. But there's nothing on the release schedule that's changed. That's a big revelation. Yeah, I don't smoke, but I could use a heater right now. <laughs> Substitute teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking in the boys' room for sure. <laughs> that is, that's amazing to see on the sheet. It, it literally says release changes. Nah. <laughs> like, that's perfect. That's a Substitute perfect Substitute teacher to... notes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, just play a movie. The kids will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, the kids definitely came out in droves for space jam legacy last week yeah that was a heck of a surprise yeah we had we'll talk about it later but the big drop off for uh black widow was um definitely affected by the the streaming issue and then obviously space jam being released it really caught um an audience um did 50 percent more than a lot of projections saw it at oh yeah at 20 million and did over 30 for the weekend yeah i mean i was taken aback by the gross of that, but, but it's a good thing that, you know, families wanted to come out to see this movie over, um, you know, see it in on a streaming service where it was also available, but maybe this was a case where nostalgia played in favor. Maybe there are adults now who grew up with, you know, this movie and wanted to show the newest version of that to their kids. And I don't know, maybe there was something to it. Um, usually nostalgia can be hit or miss depending on the property, but Maybe that's the case for it this time. I think it was just Don Cheadle for the win. Like, <laughs> this guy, everything he touches turns to gold. <laughs> it's true, though. And he did save this movie, and I'll talk about that later. But um, He's going to have that Samuel L. Jackson number. They're like, Samuel L. Jackson is the highest grossing. Right. <laughs> highest grossing actor of all time based on movies. Yeah. And Don Cheadle's like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming up from behind, Sam. Watch out. Hold my lightly carbonated water. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but no, it's good to see um, that it performed as well as it did because it seems like for animated movies, they've kind of been on the lesser side when it comes to openings lately, which has been kind of a bummer. But have you been seeing it differently, though? It's It was early. Like we had the Tom and Jerry into Rhea, and those were very, very early in our openings. Yeah. Um, and those were both before Godzilla, which gave us the big number. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we haven't had a real you know, aggressive ad campaign for any of these movies until Space Jam. That was the first one that they spent a ton of money on. Yeah, totally. And we had an audience ready to go to see a movie. Not that I'm saying this could have been any movie, but <laughs> it was it was a movie with animation and tie-ins and it, you know, it just worked. Video I mean, games. Yeah. And yeah. No, I mean, it was, I mean, the Le the LeBron factor we were worried about with 
him being politicized didn't affect it as much as we thought it would. Yeah. So it was it, it was actually very surprising how well it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but we expect to see the substantial drop that we've seen with everything from week one to week two. Yeah. Uh, with this, so um, as we get into booking strategies this week, we'll just talk about how we expect to open films on multiple screens for <laughs> the first week. And yeah. Space Jam, if you have. 10 screens, Space Jam's on two, two and a half or three screens, and second week it drops to one. And this week with your openings with Old and uh, Snake Eyes, you're going to put those on at least a screen and a half, maybe two, and then they're going to drop down to one the second week. And that's just how it's going to be. These films are going to be much, much, much more front-loaded than previously, um, where we had openings of you know, films like Star Wars, where if you had 10 screens, it would open on five six or seven mm-hmm. screens and then the next week it would you'd lose a screen you're going to see substantial drops and that's i mean luckily this year that's great because we have hit after hit after hit after hit going through the end of the year yeah studios are ready to go with releasing stuff yeah we've got stuff in the pipeline and with no release changes this week <laughs> I, I am ready to get uh, things booked you know we're way way out on our our calendars looking at where we actually our short room for films because there's definitely going to be times where we're skipping, you know, reasonably playable titles just because we have four releases a weekend. And then the next weekend weekend has three and (laughs) you're just, you're have more product than space. And that's, you know, exactly what we need as an industry. We need to just load people up with films, get them in and get as much, as much diverse product on screen as possible so we hit all of our target audiences, get everybody back in, show them that the theater experience is safe and it's back to what they expect. Um, and that's the that's our biggest story right now is just getting everyone back in one time. Yeah. Get them back in, build that confidence, and then we have James Bond and Top Gun and West Side Story and yeah. <laughs> Sing at Christmas, Sing back 2. Back to back to And back. it's just going to be, you know, if we can build the audience now, which we talked about this a year ago. <laughs> I mean, it we was last, hoping for last July. Ago. We were yeah. hoping to have this, I mean, to, for this to be the conversation last July, and it, it didn't come to fruition. But now we have the ability to say, we're back. Now it's time to build the audience and start putting all of the butts in the seats, not just, you know, not just gearing towards families, even though those have been our, our biggest push forward, um, you know, younger audiences, but it's, it's time to get everybody back in one time, get them excited for this upcoming slate and have a a holiday season. That's way bigger than we could have projected at the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is a bummer to see so many week one to week two drop-offs this massive lately, but we do have like the perfect slate where everything is just one after the other. And it's like you were saying, it's this is the perfect time to build confidence back up for moviegoers. And if not now, then you're not going to be able to do it at a time where the content is going to lessen and lessen. And you know, that's probably just going to be the unfortunate reality moving forward. But so right now, just take advantage of this. Just promote that there's always a new release every single week. And, you know, just bank on those, you know, opening weekends and, you know, just enjoy that high while you can, because you just need to be convincing audiences right now. That's just the first and foremost thing to do. Yeah. And it's, we, um, we, we harp on this a lot, but 20, 20 was going to be a down year because the franchise, the major franchises at all ended 
or were on their way to ending. They plateaued. The, yeah. The Avengers, the the Harry Potter, Fantastical Beasts, like all of those were coming towards the end, and those were guaranteed, you know, five hundred million dollar franchises. Yeah. So now we're in creation of franchises and creation of storylines, um, with the Shang Shang Chi and more Eternals, and I mean mm-hmm. we're we're building that up again. But this is the perfect time to build. This is the perfect time to, you know, have these big openings, Black Widow, $70, $80 million, and that leads into um, Shang-Chi, which leads into Eternals, which is supposed to be the Avengers of this new chapter in Mm -hmm. the Marvel Universe. So it's... It's very exciting. Like we're seeing these waves build and build and build. Not that um, going from seventy million for Black Widow down to thirty million for Space Jam was a a bigger wave, but it's sustaining. Yeah. And we're seeing multiple waves, <laughs> multiple films. You know, go over that that twenty five million dollar mark. And when we can have multiple films open over fifty million, which was that uh, window pricing that universal put out there a while ago yeah yeah that's that's what we need is to extend the windows and show the film companies that these windows are important for the the total money making capability of a film yeah you're absolutely right uh speaking of money making we've got some svog updates um we've got lots of theaters that were sitting in the um to be processed file that we've seen get payments this week so wonderful um, we're definitely seeing the money come in, which is awesome. Um, everybody has, you know, that's getting paid has done the thing. They submitted all the forms. <laughs> they paid attention. They waited with bated breath yeah. for this, for that to get approved and for them to get paid. And we're seeing it actually pay off for all these locations. Our, our numbers are very encouraging that people that are applying are getting the money they they need for this massive closure. Yeah. I mean, we understand it's a slow <laughs> agonizing process of just waiting. Glacial. As yes. far as how you describe the movement on this. But there is, there is an end to it. Like clearly we're seeing more and more that the end is coming for, you know, that waiting period and they are being rewarded for it. So, you know, just keep hanging in there. Uh, hopefully if, Nothing bad comes up that causes it to be denied. It should be able to be accepted and go through. Yep, and the money can be spent uh, for any expenses related to the theater from March 2020 through the calendar end of 2021. They can't go beyond that. You can't prepay anything. And uh, there's can be no money used towards uh, liquor, wine, or beer. But other than that, if it goes through the theater, if it's rent, film rental, Film buyer fees, hint, hint. <laughs> Concessions that you're Please behind it, on. Um, it's it's definitely something to to get on, spend the money where it needs to be spent, and and get back in business. Yeah, you know, and it's probably put it behind gonna, us, and it will probably help you be able to use the other money that you are making, so that way you can do necessary upgrades or even you know spend that money on wine and beer if you are that type of theater that is able to do so. Um, so there is a way to get that stuff after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's get into these these movie reviews. Kyle went and saw Snake Eyes. I did. <laughs> so he's he was very exuberant yesterday. Let's see if he has the same amount of <laughs> excitement in his voice. Uh, no, I actually came away liking this movie. Um, oh, huh? I know. I was surprised too. Um, because going into this, I... 
did not think many people are, you know, clamoring for a G.I. Joe movie or a G.I. Joe spinoff movie. Oh, this uh, wasn't a sequel to the Nicolas Cage movie from the 90s? Was there a Nicolas Cage? Oh, oh, wait. <laughs> Snake Eyes. Right, right, there was. Okay, I see what you... Okay, you almost had me for a loop there. I was like, wait a minute. No, no, nothing... Com- nothing... Uh, Nothing cagey about it. Nothing cagey about it for sure. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just was like, "Do we need this movie?" Um, but coming out of it, I still don't think we need this movie. I don't <laughs> think people are asking for GI Joe movies. But I gotta say, I was entertained by this movie. Um, I think what really did it for me was that the main characters um, who are acted by Henry Golding and Andrew Koji, they are both really good, and they play off one another really well. And you know, despite it being a weak script, like they elevate the material and their characters by a lot. And the action, I would say it's middle ground, like it's acceptable. It certainly had its moments, and but it did suffer from, you know, the stereotypical action cliches of choppy editing or of shaky cam, which oh no, it, it can't, it, it wasn't as bad though as I've seen with some other action movies, but it's still unforgivable. Like we shouldn't be doing that stuff at this point we've seen clearly like with the john wick franchise we've seen action that is capable of you know really looking great and we all the- saw cloverfield guys <laughs> <laughs> we get it that was fun let's move on now but i still think the action was still tolerable to where it at least was engaging for me um and again i don't think this was a necessary movie i don't think we need gi joe movies but i at least appreciated that it was still entertaining enough to where I was able to enjoy myself watching this and didn't feel like I was rolling my eyes and saying it's completely unnecessary, but it is a movie filled with moments. Like I think in my description, it's like, Oh, moments of good action moments of good character related aspects, but it doesn't, it doesn't become a movie that reaches its full potential. It just becomes a movie of moments. And I understand why there is criticism because that's really all it is like had it probably had a different director that was capable of directing action better and had it you know tighten up the script a bit more you had a movie and you possibly had a franchise starter i just don't know if that's gonna work with this movie as it is now yeah so what i'm picturing having not seen it is action teaser enemies become friends friends become enemies action teaser towards snake eyes 2 Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but like I said, though, it it is something that we've seen time and time again. But I, I at least saw the potential to where it could have been interesting. It could have been really cool to explore that type of story um, in its given situation. And it wasn't necessarily because of the script. It was just because the actors were able to elevate the script and the material. So it still isn't enough though like you have to give audiences a little bit more you have to tighten up that stuff you have to make the action a bit better if you're trying to make this an action spectacle movie and it just didn't reach that potential so speaking of possibly reaching potential (laughs) what did you think of space jam a new legacy i don't know (laughs) because the entire time thanks for being so concrete The entire time I'm watching this movie, more and more, I was like, oh, my God, I'm old because I don't know if this movie is going to work for kids today or not. (laughs) Like, I I think it does because 
not because of the Looney Tunes themselves, but because kids are being reintroduced to Looney Tunes and are seeing that they're funny. Those were like the best moments for me, and I think they will work for kids. But I also think despite this being a basketball movie and a LeBron James as the lead role, I think because they included video game stuff and video game culture, that's also going to be a good selling point for kids today. It seems like, as I, I do sound old by saying this, but kids today do seem like they're really into um, video games and the gaming culture. And I think by including that along with the Looney Tunes in this movie, like it has these moments where kids will enjoy themselves. I just don't know if this is necessarily going to have the same type of legacy, the same type of appreciation as like the first Space Jam did. But we're also living in different times to where that that's just like the natural case to be had. But I also, I also think as well that I'm out of touch. Like I just don't know if kids are into Looney Tunes, kids are into, um, you know, the video game stuff. Yeah, I just had it. And also, now that I am an adult, I am very bitter and salty towards, you know, things like obvious corporate promotion. And I felt like with this movie, by including stuff like Pennywise the Clown and Fred Flintstone watching Bugs Bunny play basketball, <laughs> like maybe kids will like it, but I just don't buy it. I just think it was a way for Warner Bros. to say they're being, oh, um... Oh, what's the word that I'm trying to say? It, it's Warner Bros. Sit, like trying to promote themselves and trying to showcase like what they have to offer in terms of content, but they're also trying to be, they're trying to say they're being self-aware, but I just don't buy it because my salty adult mind doesn't want to believe that. <laughs> so I, I guess it can work for kids, but I just, I just don't know if it'll have the same love that kids of my generation and some previous generations had for the first movie did. And I don't know, that could just be a sign of the times and just mean that I'm getting old. So did that make any sense? I have no idea, but (laughs) that's all I got out of it. I watched the film with a seven year old who was during the process of the film, explaining the plot points to me, Sure, (laughs) which were, Apparently way over my head, <laughs> according to the, the seven-year-old. Do you not understand the complexities that, of LeBron trying to save his son? <laughs> his, he and his dad don't connect because his dad doesn't understand him. Sure. <laughs> Those kind of things. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Whoa. I mean, it, it was, I mean, a shovel shovel depth deeper than the original the original one was like here's michael jordan and bugs bunny and this like had at least some themes written into it right like parenting and the you know technology and sure those kind of things but i mean it wasn't it wasn't a cinematic marvel no No. but it fit the bill i i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. i lebron was a lot less cardboard than i thought he was going to be a, a lot less. I mean, I thought he was He's, going to be a, a cutout, and luckily, at least right. he he fit. I mean, people would have given people gave anything to see Michael Jordan on a basketball court for two hours. Yeah. So seeing him and only him on a movie screen for ninety minutes was like it was <laughs> it was literally a slam dunk. Yes, it, it was <laughs> so, a dream. I mentioned that in the review that I wrote up. I was because I was thinking about this. I was like. Yes, Michael Jordan and LeBron James obviously aren't thespians. We all know this. But I feel like Michael Jordan got away with it because he was the guy. 
Like he was, he was more popular than the Pope. Exactly. <laughs> like he was the biggest thing. And nowadays LeBron is the biggest thing of basketball. Well, maybe Giannis now is, but <laughs> he is the biggest thing of basketball, but he's also not the most beloved thing about basketball. And he's also not the biggest star in the world because we just are in a more connected world. We know of so many stars that have all many different sports and entertainment yeah. that it's just impossible to nail down like the end all be all. So I think at least for me, Michael got away with bad acting, but I think LeBron, there's a bit more, there's going to be a bit more criticism of him because he's not the end all be all like Jordan was. Oh, he's yeah. He's not beloved. Right. He was, I mean, he went, he goes by, by King James and the chosen one, but, uh, Michael was the chosen one. Like, <laughs> there was nobody. There's nobody that's going to, I mean. If you're the first, you are the chosen. <laughs> literally, literally get away with more than Michael Jordan yeah. does and has. Right. <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it grossed. It was, it was an awesome, awesome surprise out there for us. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it works. Clearly kids like it family, or at least it sounds like kids like it. I, again, I'm out of touch. I don't know. But it seems like it did the trick, and that's all that matters. And I do feel like, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen it, when Don Cheadle joins the basketball game and he grows into Mega Cheadle, like I feel like (laughs) there was some ego involvement. They're like, yeah, you can be seven feet tall, and he's like, make it nine. (laughs) I was on Golden Girls. I I worked my craft. Yeah. Or it wasn't Golden Girls. It was like some spit off. I can't remember now. But I beat Terrence Howard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence Howard thought he won. <laughs> but no, Don Cheeto was easily the best part for sure. As were the Looney Tunes. They were. It was also great seeing them again in a movie. the The nostalgia was great. It was, you know, it. No, it's not going to win any awards, even for animation, which is yes. usually the point where you want to see these like yeah. stack up, but. It fit the bill, and it's going to have, you know, it's going to be one of those that that stands out this year when we talk about twenty twenty one movies coming back. It's there's a lot of Warner Brothers titles out there, but it's yeah, <laughs> Tom and Jerry, Godzilla, Cruella, Quiet Place, and then Black Widows, um, opening and then drop, and then now Space Jam. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we go back through the the almanac, it's going to be in the the top 10 top 15 films of this year yeah. which if you put it in a normal year it could have easily fallen by the wayside yeah i mean there's a 30 million dollar opening doesn't get you into the top top 15 on a normal year normally normally <laughs> but this year it's gonna be one of those ones that stands out right which is awesome by the way i forgot to mention this when talking about snake eyes uh during the final act of the movie um i was just absorbed in watching the movie and then all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see that I can like see my girlfriend next to me a lot more clearly than I was supposed to. <laughs> and normally when I see her, like, you know, there's this always this ray of light that I imagine around her. <laughs> but this seemed brighter than usual. And I realized, I guess someone in the booth like bumped the light switch and the lights were like coming back on. Not like completely oh, brightened, but just probably halfway. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I gave them the benefit of the doubt at first. I was like, they... They must have, like, bumped the switch and don't realize it yet. Like, they have to notice at some point. And, of course, they didn't because it's probably all new, you know, employees oh trying to learn how to run everything. But, 
uh, luckily someone before me did get up and like probably complained about it because he immediately came back in and it did take another five minutes. But eventually they were like, here's the switch. And then the lights turned down. So make sure you're training your employees. Well, make sure you have the buttons labeled. Cause that was annoying. And I really wish that I got up to say something, but luckily there was someone else who I guess really loved the movie so much because he went out and complained so hey bro house lights are on yeah <laughs> Whoop, sorry uh now let's see is it this one? Oh nope that's sound effects uh nope that makes the popcorn uh <laughs> oh yeah so i mean i get it they're all new they're all high schoolers or whatever but just label the buttons make sure they're trade <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't like our theater very much, but that that one I I kind of get because it's like a new employee thing rather than just a blatantly terrible decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of blatantly terrible decisions, <laughs> I love not getting judged for my transitions when Cody's not here. I think they're pretty clever. I'm liking them. Well, terrible decisions. Uh, NATO dropped. NATO dropped a bomb on Disney this week yeah. with their um, scathing blindsided them. <laughs> with their Look out! <laughs> scathing um, letter about uh, Disney putting Black Widow day and date on Disney Plus. Yeah, um, we all, if you were involved anywhere in the industry, you saw the numbers. Uh, Disney announced that Black Widow did a sixty million dollar number for their paid um, Disney early access with Black Widow, which all in of itself seems like a big number. But with these Marvel movies, they typically run 12 weeks on a wide scale in our, in the market. They run for the entire time until they're released on DVD or for rental. So that $60 million actually translates to $5 million a week, which we see these go multiple weeks <laughs> before yeah. they get anywhere close to $5 million. Yeah. Uh, so um, that number plus the substantial, they announced a 67% drop off, but we saw more than that at most of our locations. Mm -hmm. So it seems pretty conservative as far as the drop off goes. So um, NATO, you know, gave, gave them the business and we'll see, you know, what, what this does with Disney moving forward. We have one more Disney plus day and date movie with Jungle Cruise. And Shang-Chi and Free Guy will both be theatrical-only windows. Seems like it. Supposedly, but we'll see how they how long that window is. But obviously, we need at least two weeks <laughs> for these to keep grossing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do get it because clearly streaming did have something. To, clearly had something. Streaming had something to do with it to a point. Like, they did announce, like, the opening numbers of they're streaming millions or whatever the heck you call it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But they also didn't announce those numbers for week two. Yeah. <laughs> that so, was the interesting one. I, I get the complaint and I totally hate the day and date thing, the premium day and date stuff. I think it needs to be theatrical first, but I also think there is a pattern when it comes to how audiences behave, at least for the time being, it seems like no matter if it's theater exclusive or day-and-day -day release, there will always be that type of drop-off. Maybe it would have been a little bit less with Black Widow if it was theater-exclusive first, but I just think right now, it's like we were saying earlier, audiences just need convincing. And I think even though things are looking up right now, there's just still more convincing to do. And 
we're just seeing right now that the drop-offs are real. Like, back-to-back-to-back, we've seen three big blockbusters that have about the same sort of drop-offs, regardless of what types of releases they are. So, I get it. I'm glad that NATO's, like, sticking up for them, but for the theaters, but I wouldn't necessarily put this all on I I think it's just a matter of the behavior is going to be there no matter what for the time being. I think it's stupid for the day and date stuff. Like, that needs to stop, but I I don't know. I see it. I I just see multiple reasons for this happening and not just blaming on Disney. Yeah, no, and they dropped this bomb on Disney because they had some numbers to support it. But there are other film companies going day and date. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, why aren't we talking about this with HBO Max? Yeah. Yeah. When literally everything since uh, uh, Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. <laughs> so. Did they not complain about Universal? Remember when Universal was the first to drop this day oh, and yeah. date stuff? No, Universal went. I'm trying to they, remember now. Oh, yeah. No, they went scorched earth with Universal and then yeah, made you're nice. you're probably right. Made nice because they signed um, a deal with AMC, AMC. and all the. So yeah. Yeah. There's. You know, for at least for the moment, it seems like NATO is on the side of all theaters right. by, by doing this. Same thing with all the SVOG money. Like, they've done some good things to to do this, but is it too little too late? You know, did they not put up enough, you know, put, put, it, put it as aggressively out there for uh, Wonder Woman 84 and Soul right. uh, at christmas last year <laughs> and what what about luca even luca yeah. went from theaters to streaming yeah and it's uh, take it for what it's worth but it sounds like it's doing really well on streaming imagine what it would have been like in theaters yeah it yeah. would have done well yeah how could it have not done well <laughs> yeah exactly. we needed we need those films particularly in the market but it was just you know at, at least they're putting themselves out there in a way that makes it feel like they're advocating for all of the theaters as opposed to the big three. Yeah. I mean, it is something and it is good to see. And we're happy that there is, you know, someone out there looking out for all the theaters, but could it have been sooner? Yeah, <laughs> Just a little bit more. It seems, it seems pretty obvious though, that this is something that should have been done. It's like, yeah, water wet yeah <laughs> snow cold <laughs> um legendary possibly merging with warner brothers it seems very obvious <laughs> yeah so what ken is talking about with that clever transition is uh there was reports going around recently that legendary is exploring uh, a possible sale with its content or most likely it's going to be a merger with someone uh it seems like the talks are heating up right now even though i don't see who the talks are heating up with i imagine though it's probably going to be warner bros so this is probably a non-story but let's just hope that it's not you know a streaming service because we know about the drama with legendary and warner bros after wb dropped their bomb unexpectedly about day and dating for 2021 and you know legendary was obviously mad about because they're making movies like godzilla and dune but i don't want them to be moving away from someone else and then that someone else becomes a streaming service if that's what the fight was for. Yeah, I with even with the frustration over the streaming, I cannot imagine that Legendary is going to turn its back on Warner Brothers at right. this point. Yeah, I don't think so. it seems I, I like so a, an easy match. Um, Legendary has you know a dozen movies in the pipeline mm-hmm. that are all big budget things that are going to be 
you know, Warner Brothers knows how to promote these. Yeah. They know how to put them on the big screen. Yeah, they do. And it's, you know, Dune is the one that we just got a trailer for this week, and it was even more epic than the first trailer we got. Oh, it was great. So it's, you know, they know how to do this. They know how to put it out in front of people and sell tickets. So hopefully they stay, they move back to the theatrical only model, and Legendary keeps putting their films on the big screen because that's the place they belong, especially Absolutely. with a name like Legendary. Yeah, exactly. Legendary on my iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) That sandworm is almost as big as a Red Bull can. (laughs) Hold it up for comparison. (laughs) Yeah, and it could be a deal for some smaller smaller films they have because they Warner Media did announce they were going to make ten films specifically for HBO Max every year too. Yeah, but you know, Legendary along with Godzilla has you know, small budget films that they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're a production company, so they're looking for... They make everything. Yeah. yeah. You're looking for uh, $10 million films and $110 million films. Yeah. And that's, and that's what you do. That's the name of the game. Yeah. It's all about content, regardless of, you know, being um, distributing theatrical movies or just doing streaming. And, you know, they're, all, they're always going to look at all options, but I'm willing to bet along with you that they're probably still going to be siding with Warner Bros. Yeah, they have to. They'll be making Space Jam a newer legacy in with Giannis in 2022. Yeah, <laughs> they've got to pick somebody with an easier name, though. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Devin Booker. There yeah. we go. Yeah, that's the same thing, right? <laughs> Chris Paul, two first names. Right. <laughs> He's the Ricky Bobby of the NBA. Michael Jordan, two names. Yeah. <laughs> or Michael B. Jordan, if you watch the movie. Right. <laughs> Which was actually, I think, my favorite part of the movie, where he tried to give like the Creed speech and I pump did, them all up. Right. It's like I'm just gonna leave now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the joke worked fine for me. I was. I guess. I. I, I don't know. I mean, I do like Michael B. Jordan. I, I'll see him in anything. But. It was corny, but it was exactly what it needed. Because if Michael Jordan came back, he was gonna overpower the movie like nobody would want to see lebron after that it would just be like show me michael jordan and i definitely did not think it was actually (laughs) michael jordan that there's no way but no i was like this is gonna be one of those it's gonna jump the shark right now if they show old man michael jordan like is is lebron actually gonna stomach (laughs) down and just be like thank you michael (laughs) through crunched teeth it couldn't have been anybody from the first one it couldn't have been bill murray or wayne knight or any of those guys i did kind of hope it'd be wayne knight (laughs) because the guy they were trying to make wayne knight was not working no i no i'm sorry guy you did as good as you could but ah, (laughs) not having it yeah the uh, assistant character definitely did not work But we did have some trailers that did work this week. Oh, yeah. What was your favorite of the trailers that were released this week? I think we already kind of foreshadowed that one. Yeah, it's easily Dune, one of my most anticipated movies. Um, I think this trailer, unlike the last one, it did do a better job at making this story seem easy to follow. Like, it gave you the really basic outline of what it is, despite this, what is a book. It's well known as being, like, very complex with its you know, characters and sci-fi elements. But I think boiled down into a trailer, it did a good job at just giving you the basic plot point of what this movie is about. And then from there, it's about, you know, seeing all the actors that you recognize and seeing, you know, the spectacle of it all and seeing all the great uh, CGI that's in it and all the epic space battles. And it just sold me on all those elements. I think it's like you were saying, Warner Bros. knows how to promote movies. 
you know, it just remains to be seen on whether audiences go out or not. But hopefully they do this over going to HBO Max to check out Dune because it's, it needs to be seen on a big screen. Like I was watching this on my computer and I have a really good sized computer, but it's, it's going to be nothing compared to let alone a TV. Like it needs to be seen in theaters. Yeah, no, this was on a similar scale as the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits and the amount of content that they're drawing from to make the film is massive. Like this is one of the books like War and Peace, like people always talk about it being like the longest book. Yeah. But you've got to dumb it down for a certain audience. It can't be so (laughs) smart that it gets in the way of regular people seeing it. Sure. And it's got enough recognizable names and I think it's going to be, it's interesting. This is one of those that is either going to set the pace mm. for the box office going into the holiday season yeah or it's gonna be one of those ones that just missed the mark i feel like it's either gonna be blazing hot or people just won't see it because it's just over their heads sadly i think you're right you made a good point about when it comes to this trailer sometimes you kind of have to dumb it down enough to where you can really sell the majority of audiences not to be mean to people but it is what it is there's some cleavage and a space battle like that's what we are used to seeing i mean that's why fast nine did so well yeah but i bet you while the trailer does that well but still keeps the integrity of what this movie is probably going to be i think the movie itself is not going to necessarily dumb it down that much and i and i do worry that it's going to cause what you were saying either the highest of highs or the lowest of lows yeah there's there's not going to be a good middle ground well, if anybody else has listened to this podcast previously, you can guess what my favorite trailer was from this week. <laughs> Gee, I wonder <laughs> what it could be. <laughs> I'm a simple man with simple taste. <laughs> <laughs> and so this trailer uh, spelled it out exactly like it would be. Uh, yeah. Jackass forever. <laughs> forever. Is this the fourth one? It is. Okay, they nailed good. it. Okay. They got it right this time. I'm Jackass, like, Jackass 2, Jackass life. 3D, Jackass <laughs> For life. I forgot the, <laughs> yeah, Jackass 3D. That's Which was like five years after 3D went out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's everything that it needs to be sure. for audiences. It has the nostalgia of people going back and being 12, 10, watching, yeah. watching the stupid uh, MTV show. Right. <laughs> and then now being in my 30s and watching it now. I mean, these guys are in their 50s and they still yeah. want to do it. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it it is going to be a perfect complement to, you know, we have art films and we have family films and we have um big production Dune out there and yeah. James Bond waiting in the wings and this is just going to be the we made this for 5 million dollars in medical bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean this it's definitely not my cup of tea for sure. It's just not timely for me. I didn't grow up with Jackass, but I got to say I did chuckle in moments. Um, I don't think I'll have the same reaction if I ever saw this movie. I just don't have the interest to. But I think this trailer did do what it was supposed to do. It made it feel like the proper send-off, but it still is going to keep, you know, what people love about this show and the movies. Yeah. And that's all that that it needs to be. No. I Yes, this is absolutely my demographic. Right. This was... I believe I've been to opening nights for one, two, and three. That's amazing. (laughs) This will I will follow in suit in this one just to make sure. Well, many clap at the beginning of Marvel movies. You have you and your crowd clap for Jackass openings. Everybody burps and farts out loud. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
No, there was there were so many <laughs> questions left unanswered. Like, will they shoot the old man character out of the cannon? They will. Will they? What what else will they do with a snake? Anything. Um, they'll have someone. Someone's been bit in the genitals by a snake before, but will they have them bite them on the face? From the trailer, yes, that is true. <laughs> if you can think it, it will happen. <laughs> exactly. And then we had a, a couple of, well, one, malig- another trailer, Malignant, which is exactly what we thought it was going to be. Horror movie with a lot of, I think, um, newer visuals. I think there was a lot of things that were interesting to look at from the horror genre. Right. As far as the way it, it melded the the backgrounds and made things slightly different. Like, it reminded me of the trailer for uh, the, it started with a P. I'm trying to remember, not the prophet. Um, uh, from horror U- movie, yeah, from United Artists, it was like the the guy oh, runs prodi- through the prodigal son, prodigy, prodigy. That's yes, what it is. Where the yeah. guy jumps out of the hallway and it was like, oh, that was new, that was scary, right, right. So it had some of that to it, mm-hmm. but it it fits in the R rated horror category, perfect. I mean, it's gonna do what the what the Conjuring does, and you know, it's gonna have a, a decent opening and mm-hmm. and build that rebuild that horror audience. Well, this is coming from the director of the first Conjuring, so I think. I think there is like a horror demographic who is excited to see this director come back to horror. It's kind of been a while since he's done it. And it seems like it seems like the visuals, um, while they look like kind of a mismatch of CGI, maybe a bit too much. It at least seems different and out there, which is what people like about this director. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I did. think if you can nail down that audience, maybe it could become another conjuring situation. Yeah. Well, he did conjuring, insidious, and saw. saw. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the pedigree goes, it doesn't get much better than that for Right. I mean, this is like uh Clive Barker. This is <laughs> I mean, the, as <laughs> yeah. far as horror movies go, like he's he's way up there as far as modern horror yeah. for if you mention somebody, "Oh, I like horror movies. Who do you like?" This is the director. He's he I don't know about the Mount Rushmore, but he could be climbing up there for sure. For, for modern audiences. Like you could go. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good way. To Everybody's play. built, uh, you know, Wes Craven is up there, but he hasn't made a movie in a very long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was the one that we had extremely mixed reviews on was. You guessed that. <laughs> the, last, the last duel. Right. That came out this week. Um, there. I'm glad we have. I'm, I'm going to be the first one to say it. I'm glad we have. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon back together on screen. Yes, but <laughs> I I want to be excited about this. I really do. I but... know. And Adam Driver's in it. I know. And Ben Mendelsohn. And is he in it too? I think I saw him in part of it. Oh so, man, that's good. I mean, it's got a very good cast, and the the set design looks great, and the costume yeah, costumes and, look great visually. But, dark but it looks grand in scale oh as i wipe my face and hide my eyes i have movies set in medieval times with people that do not have european accents just do not work yes (laughs) historically i mean there were not castles in the united states that fought battles Mm -hmm. people built castles because like i remember what it was like to live in europe (laughs) that's it that's the only reason right right yeah, I, I don't know about this one either. I think, like we were saying, costume design, set design, visuals, like it looks like a very well done movie. It just, 
And and I think Adam Driver is a good fit. I think the main actress is a good fit. If Ben Mendelsohn is in this movie, it's going to be a great fit. Now I got to look this up. Because... But Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are just a little bit jarring for this type of movie. It is cool to see them reunited, but I think I'd rather have it be another movie set in Boston over, you know, another or having it be in a medieval times type movie. And Ridley Scott, he's a great director. I just am kind of wearing thin on his movies now. I mean, The Martian was good recently, but at this point, that was like, what, five or six years ago? Like, and he hasn't really done much since then, or even a little bit before then, to where he's really been a director that I'm very curious about what he makes. So, I don't know. It it could work, but it also might not work. It just feels like a weird mis- mishmash altogether. Yeah, it, it definitely does, unfortunately. I would love for it to be this... <sighs> this monster of a movie and yeah. no, it's not Ben Mendelsohn. It's a bunch of other guys that I've never heard of. Oh, that makes me, Oh boy. That's not he's good. got, he, they have Ben Mendelsohn face. <laughs> Couldn't get the guy, huh? Bummer. No. He is a busy man. I get it. Uh, there's like four guys. On the, Grab on the them ca- all on the cast that show up that look like Ben Mendelsohn. Like get that medieval face. Mendelsohn light. Right. <laughs> They found them all in Hollywood and threw them together. Same taste, less calories. Right. <laughs> oh, God. It's not Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think many audiences are going to be wanting to see something that looks this dark and depressing to begin with. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll be good. Maybe it'll garner awards somehow, but... Uh, I don't, I'm not looking forward to this we've one. Got, we've got time to do some reshoots. Can we do this where everyone has the thick Boston accent? You, you could do the Romeo and Juliet thing with Leonardo DiCaprio to where it is Shakespeare, but it's like said in modern times. Like yeah. kind of do the same thing. It is in medieval times, but with Boston accents. Just, that could, just maybe dub there's something just there. Just dub them over. Yeah. <laughs> Come over here. I'll pack my boot in your face. <laughs> <laughs> How the socks doing? <laughs> you know, will it be good? Probably not. Will it be more entertaining? Could be. A cameo by Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's everywhere now. He could make it work. Teddy Williams hitting for the cycle. <laughs> it seems like with the Boston accents coming out, it's now time to wrap up this show, don't you think? <laughs> I pack my foot in you. That's a yes. <laughs> See you later, everybody. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. You can find uh, this podcast on all podcast platforms and over at silverscreeninsider.com, where if you're a theater owner or manager needing updated and accurate film information for the upcoming releases and assets to promote those movies, you can check out our website there. Shout out from Beantown. (laughs) See ya. Bye, everybody.